Hello, 90 Day Fiancé fans. Welcome to 90 Day Fiancé Honestly, the podcast that brings you an unfiltered, no-nonsense take on all things 90 Day. I'm B, And I'm Amy. We promise you two things. No tangents and zero interruptions from ads. We're diving deep into the world of international love, decoding all of the relationship drama, and serving up the truth with a side of humor. So whether you're a seasoned 90 Day fan or just starting the K-1 visa journey, buckle up for a ride filled with love, laughter, and of course, honesty. Hi, Amy. Hi, B. It's been a long three weeks, hasn't it? It really has been. I've lost track of when we are. Uh, me too. <laughs> and I was looking at people's faces last night watching the show and I was like, what is there? that person's name? I don't remember. Well, they just, it felt like the couples kept coming in and it's like, when, oh, I completely forgot about you. Has it, has it been that long? It has been that long, but we at last got our fix of 90 Day Fiance last night. So let's review what we saw in episode 12. Yes. I, I feel like this episode didn't reveal anything new, that it was just more of the same pattern that we've been seeing with each of the couples. Mm -hmm. Did you feel the same way? Yeah. Okay. And one quick reminder before we dive in, which is that we are not covering Igor and Nikki for those of you who are new to our show, because Igor is a Nancy sympathizer. So we don't want to promote him in any way, shape or form. Let's get started with Sophie and Rob. Well, this was a fun one. Yeah. So we start off with Rob yelling at Sophie on the way home. They're driving back from their argument in the sex shop. So this is the fallout from the proposition of the woman who was in the store, obviously a plant. They seem to deal with the argument fairly well. Sophie is really good at calming the situation down. And that's exactly what she does in this case. She manages to de-escalate the situation and says to Rob, look, let's just let this be. Let's forget about it and move on, which he agrees to. I don't think that really resolves any problems. It really just kind of puts that argument to bed, which I think is fine. Yeah, because the argument itself was pointless. Mm -hmm. Who cares who said no or who was going to say yes? You guys are together. And the point is that you're about to get married. So there is one would expect some element of monogamy involved in that equation. Exactly. But it doesn't resolve his feelings or I guess her feelings about the whole bisexuality thing. But I really don't think that there's going to be a way that these two are going to be able to sufficiently discuss this to get on the same page. No, I totally agree. I think Rob is far too immature to really be able to deal with this and see it in a way that he doesn't feel attacked or somehow made small. It's just a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, so, there'd be no getting through to him. No, they're cooking for the very first time in their apartment slash garage slash shack. And because the space is so small, they are basically on top of one another and they start arguing. Of course, that's rather expected. And Rob is, again, defending his personal space, his home turf, saying that these, this tiny little non-kitchen is perfectly acceptable for making a meal, just the same way that he did with the outside washroom dismissing that as a known issue that Sophie should just get over. It, it makes me wonder, though, because he seems to normalize this. So is this him just completely downplaying his current situation because it's so deplorable? He's just defending his current situation? Or is this because he really has no, he's never had anything more? And I feel like it's the, the former. I think it's all got to do with a lack of self-esteem 
and a lack of confidence in their relationship. Because if he was truly secure in their relationship, and he really believed that Sophie loved him no matter what, he wouldn't be worried about the apartment. And her saying things like, I'd like a washroom that was attached, or I'd like a bigger kitchen, or I'd like a duvet, please. These issues would mean nothing to him aside from noting, oh, my partner wants something different than we currently have. So maybe we should look at moving towards that in the future. If you have a self-esteem problem, if your whole identity is tied up with this notion that you are poor, and somebody else in your life is wealthy, or at least has access to wealth, then I think there's a lot of self-questioning that you do. And a lot of time that you spend wondering, am I good enough? Am I providing something that's good enough for the, for my partner? So he's really, really tied up in knots over this and not able to accept the fact that Sophie just loves him. I mean, she's putting up with so much crap in order to be with him. And he can't seem to accept that because deep down inside of himself, he believes that he's not worth it. He's not worthy of her attention and her love. He's just a poor guy from wherever it is that he's from. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. And it, it, I do want to make a note that not only is she accepting of his situation, but she's working with it. Instead yeah. of just putting a pizza in the oven, now she's making an effort to actually make a meal. And that obviously says so much more about her than it does him with all of his, with his deflections. Well, she has shown us time and time again that she's perfectly willing to work with what he has and the circumstances that she's in. And in fact, she has a very positive attitude towards it. But he, he, he somehow he can't even see that she's being happy or being content with her situation. In fact, he can't believe it to the extent that he has to then crush her happiness down and say, actually, you're complaining, you're the one who has a problem. You're but the bougie him. one. You are the bougie one. But it's him who has the problem. He has the problem with his house. She doesn't. He's feeling self-conscious about the bathroom, the tiny kitchen, the lack of amenities. And he's projecting that onto her. It's totally unfair because she's usually quite sunny and happy and up. And he just crushes that every time. That's so sad. Just think, think about what who she could be, what she could be, what relationship she could have if she wasn't so stuck with this one. I, I really hope the best for her. I hope that we see some more self-development from her and I hope that we see less or possibly none of him. <laughs> the topic of discussion while they're cooking is Sophie's mom, who is arriving uh, that evening or the next day. I'm not really sure. It's a little bit convoluted for timing for me. Rob says he doesn't want Sophie's mom to bring any bad stress with her. So he's being very open with Sophie about how he feels about her mom. Her name is Claire. And it feels like he's warning Sophie to be on his side rather than, than on her mom's side when the mom is there. And this tension that's growing is becoming more and more palpable as he's setting up this scene. Like, what do you think about how Rob is talking so openly, so frankly with Sophie about how he feels about Claire? Well, I, I think it's just because she's the only one that calls him out on his BS. And he wants to put Sophie on, on, the, on the defensive before she even arrives, because he knows that Claire is going to pull that. So he wants to adjust this Again, with the narrative, adjusting the narrative so that it fits in. So 
if he sets it up so he's the victim, then Sophie might be more likely to support him because, you know, she's already aware of what the drama that her mom's going to bring. So instead of listening to her mom and becoming aware of all the things that Claire's going to bring to the surface, it puts, he's hoping that it's going to put Sophie on the defensive to be on his side. So I think it's him trying to preemptively just cover his own butt before Claire gets there because he knows exactly what she's going to do. But again, he's, he's the victim. Of course. Always Protect the victim. victim. Protect yes. the victim. Yes. Poor Rob. Well, actually, I was just wondering more along the lines of how would you feel if your partner was speaking so openly about your parent in this negative way that Rob is speaking about Claire? Do you think it's appropriate? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think he no. should he should at least pretend to be looking forward to to the visit. Though I also wonder if Sophie was kind of poking the bear a bit because she asked him several times if he was excited. You're not even a little bit excited, somewhat excited. But I, I think that was because she was so excited. She wanted mm -hmm. to see some sort of feigned emotion from him. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's why he really dug his, his heels in about, you know, the being on the defensive and pulling the victim card. But I, I, I think that the way that he spoke about Claire before she even got there was just just so deplorable and obviously says more about him than it does about anyone else in the situation. Yeah, I would not speak to my partner about their parent in that negative way, unless it was something that was overt, like really, really horrible. Like if that parent was telling you things that were abusive or acting abusive towards you, then I would make a complaint. But I don't think there, Rob has really anything to be complaining about to Sophie about her mom in this moment. I think he should just be smiling and nodding and sucking it up and respecting Sophie's mom and respecting Sophie's relationship with her mom by being silent. Because I think you're right. I think he's testing Sophie's loyalty in this manipulative kind of way ahead of time. He's trying to align Sophie with him on his team so that she's going to support him by placing himself in that victim's role, like you said. And setting up this kind of fortress for whatever bad things that Claire is going to say when she arrives to to defend himself. And I also feel like in doing that, he's isolating Sophie from her mom. He's undermining her relationship with her mom because now she feels like, oh, if I support my mom, then Rob's going to get really mad and things are going to be bad for me. So I better be on his side. And that breaks that relationship. No, not literally, but it causes a rift between Sophie and her mom because Rob is trying to push Sophie over to his side and keep her there. Right. Classic abuse. Isolation was the the word that I had that I had noted as well. Because obviously Sophie and her mom are are quite close and I think the relationship is is quite cute. And I thought it was interesting though when they were arguing about I think this was in the car on the way home from from the argument when they were talking about her mom coming he throws in this little tidbit that was like i don't know what you told her and mm -hmm. it reminded me of how she had to go to the coffee shop or whatever to have her conversation with her mom and you and i were surmising as to why was he the one who sticks his ear up to the door and listens but i mean there's really no doors in his apartment anyway or his garage whatever so i, I wonder if that was just a, a little reflection on how much he actually does listen to or mm -hmm. eavesdrops. Yeah. There were two things that I wrote down that Rob said that I found very memorable. And that one in the car that you just mentioned was, was a really good one. But he said, 
I'm hoping that Claire doesn't F up our relationship. So he's, and he's saying this, I think it was to Sophie. Like he's, this was in their private interview and she was sitting beside him. He's got some really strong feelings about how this person, Claire, is the enemy who's trying to break apart their relationship and she better not. And the other one is that he said about Claire, she brings her own brand of bull crap. And I was like, what? So basically he's saying that she's a liar. She doesn't speak the truth. He has some really, really strong opinions. So let's see what happens when they finally do get together. I thought that was an interesting almost introduction to to the whole visit what what is Claire going to bring i mean we've seen our conversations with with Sophie but we haven't seen her interact with with Rob yet so i thought that was i i just couldn't wait to see what would happen mm-hmm. when when they finally got to mingle and i was really hoping that Claire would be so level-headed and so what's the word um, in the diplomatic in the, diplomatic neutral that she wouldn't set the stage to play into Rob's little fantasy, his narrative. But she did. The moment he walked in the door of her hotel, she said something like, Rob, you're stealing my baby. And I was like, oh, not a good thing to say, because you're automatically putting the two of you in opposition to one another. And somebody's going to steal the other person from you not good. I think she caught herself because then she followed it up with that compliment saying, you know, he looks really good today or something, just commenting Mm -hmm. on his physical appearance. And then the camera pans over to him and he's got this stupid smug smile on his face. Oh, yeah. So I I think she kind of caught herself. I really don't know. I, th- I I agree that it was probably not the best thing to say the second that she walks in. And I also wonder if if Claire's been ruminating on all of the things that Sophie's been telling her. So she's been trying to trying to stuff it down, but also trying to digest before she gets there. How is she going to handle it? How is she going to support Sophie? I forget yeah. where I was going with that thought, but I think you get what I was trying to say. Yeah, well, she's preparing, obviously, for this confrontation, <laughs> confrontation, meeting. And Rob is obviously preparing well in advance for this meeting as well. Both of them are setting up their soldiers on the board, so to speak. And they start talking about the wedding. Claire wants to help with planning the wedding. And then they make this joke about tossing of the bouquet, where Claire suggests that she would knock Rob's mom out of the way in order to catch the bouquet, which is, of course, a joke. But Rob doesn't respond very well to this. And he ends up calling Claire aggressive, which she takes issue with. And she says, because he says, oh, it was a joke. Everything was a joke. But when I say joke, you guys can't take it. And she says, no, actually, I think that was a low key dig. And she's right. It was. 100%. 100%. It totally was. And he denies it, of course, because what else can he do? And then he's pretending to be Mr. Cool about this whole situation. I have nothing bothers me about what you're saying. I am totally in control. And the way he's sitting on the couch is quite revealing. And mom makes a comment about that. She says, you look like you there's something that you want to say, but you're not saying it. Go ahead and say it. And he will not speak. It, oh, <laughs> I really wanted him to say what was on his mind. I was so waiting for him to blow up and call her a bad name. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. 
I wonder if it's just because there was nothing actually going on in his brain. He just felt this overwhelming feeling of anger and he Hmm. really had nothing to say about it. And that's why he didn't say anything because there's nothing going on in his head. He just felt anger and he didn't know why. That could have been it. It also could have been that he, in this narrative where he's the victim, he wants Sophie to see that he's not provoking anybody in this situation, that Claire is the one who's on the attack. And so he wants to play into that role. That was one of the takes that I had on it. But I really felt like He's stuffing down all of his feelings, all of his negative emotions, and just barely controlling it, trying to look super cool, trying to remain in that posture on the sofa where he's like, I'm in control, nothing bothers me, say what you will, I'm totally fine. You're just being aggressive, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay. I, I can mm-hmm. handle my stuff. Maybe you should too. But uh, I don't think he's that deep. No, not at all. Now, when... They went to leave. There was a moment. Did you catch this? I was watching Claire's face. The very moment that they'd left the hotel room and Claire turned away from the camera and then the camera sort of turned and captured her face. She just, you could see her face drop and you could see the pain. And she even started, she was crying and she pushed a tear away. And I was like, oh my God, what a transformation. You can see. The pain of losing her daughter and being really, really worried about Sophie. And there's nothing that Claire can do about it. All she can do is be there to support her. And I I think based on the situation, she did pretty well. Though I thought it was interesting that her and Sophie both agreed that, you know, the whole joke thing that he just doesn't get British humor. Mm -hmm. But you obviously know more about British humor than I do. But in my opinion, knocking somebody over at a wedding to catch the bouquet is just, it's classic humor. It has nothing to do with the the dry British humor that I'm familiar with. But that's them trying to diffuse it because they knew knew that Rob was going to likely lose his his mind. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Next, we're going to see the inverse situation. Claire comes to their place. Wow. She looks like she's in shell shock when she enters the house. I'm putting house in quotation marks because we're still undecided. Is it a garage? Is it a hovel? Exactly what is it? Is it a converted garage? Is is it a converted shed? Who knows? Anyway, I think that this is the moment when Rob thinks, okay, I've got her. Claire's going to come. She's going to say something really, really awful about my place. And this is going to prove to Sophie that I was right that Claire isn't on our side. And so, and she doesn't support us. And so therefore Sophie needs to jettison her mom. But Claire in this moment is actually very, very tactful. When she first comes in, she doesn't say anything. She talks about how nice the flowers are. They talk about the nice courtyard. And then she starts saying, is it safe? Which is a reasonable question. Mm -hmm. And Rob downplays the fact that they heard gunshots just the other night. Oh, it's just somebody playing around in their backyard. As if that's safer. Excuse me? What? Are people just sitting in their backyards being like, pew, 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 in the air, and you're just okay with this because you're so familiar with this? Or was this like a shootout in in the street in front of the house? I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But any gunshot is a worry. Any gunshot is horrifying, terrifying. 
I don't care if they're shooting at a target in their backyard. They can still have a stray bullet go off and hurt somebody. Anyway, she asked this reasonable question. Then she asked another reasonable question, which is, why hasn't Rob gone to the trouble of looking for and securing a larger apartment, knowing that Sophie was coming? Great question. He initially says it's because he's been putting all of his money towards their relationship. So them traveling together and spending time in hotels, which kind of puzzled me because I wasn't I wasn't in the loop to this Mexico trip that he was alluding to. Yeah, I, I didn't know what he was talking about either. Yeah. Anyway, he gets heated and he calls Claire's question ridiculous. And then he starts to go off the deep end. So when Sophie sees that Rob is being defensive and she even says he's being defensive and the things that mom is bringing up are totally reasonable and they're things that I have been asking myself as well. She actually vocalizes this and she says, I agree with my mom. Rob completely loses his grip on reality and starts yelling at both of them, which is the moment that we've been waiting to see for a few weeks now, right? Mm -hmm. And he's complaining that neither one of them has ever had to be at the bottom, using again, that distinction between him being the poor person and them being the rich people as an argument to justify his defensiveness. I thought that was, I I think what I was waiting for was to see how Sophie would react having her mom there in person. And I think that's when she got more of the confidence to, to back up and to confront Rob about all of the deficiencies. And I think she needed that. And that's exactly what Rob was trying to avoid when he was trying to put all these ideas in Sophie's head before her mom arrived. And that's the moment when he realized that he failed and he's in trouble, which is why he responded in, isn't this funny? Who's the aggressive one now? (laughs) Oh, how ironic. (laughs) And then he he goes to sit in the only nice place anywhere close to that the dwelling, which is in the courtyard. So now he's taken the only place with fresh air. And and he keeps yelling at them from the courtyard as he's trying to be cool and look at his phone. It's just so petulant, so childish. Oh, it was prime Rob. I love this moment because it really shows us what an ass he is. It, his true self shines through. But I'm still fearful that Sophie is going to go through with it. Mm. Oh, I think that's been our worry from from the yeah. very beginning. Though I I ho- I think I said this last time that I hope when her mom comes that this is going to be what she needs to to actually open her eyes to show her exactly how bad this has been. So I'm hoping that next episode we're just going to see more of this, and her mom is going to continue to open her eyes, and she's just going to pack her bags and leave. Oh, speaking of bags. Did you notice when they were panning around the the apartment with that, I want to say ominous music, but maybe that's mm-hmm. just what my brain was doing over the actual music. Um, they pan around and you can see Sophie's stuff. And she said, this is where my stuff is. And then when the camera turns to, to Rob, we see this like black kind of thing, almost yeah. like a black unit thing. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a grow tent. So <laughs> I'm not sure if that's where he keeps his clothes or possibly the duvet (laughs) (laughs) or if it's an actual grow tent because there have been people online who've been 
claiming that he may be selling drugs as a way to to make money. I don't know for sure. This is just, you know, conjecture from online, but it legit looks like uh, like a grow tent, like an indoor grow tent. Uh, I think you and I are tending to see the worst things in the background that aren't <laughs> actually there. So we'll leave it at that. But uh, that's hilarious. I'm I'm more confident about this one than I was about whatever I said last time with the the prison thing, which I was yeah. obviously incorrect about. But <laughs> I, I've seen grow tents in my time, and that's what it looks like. Okay, I'll take your word for it. And the size, and the size. So yeah. just something that my my mm-hmm. little eye saw. Hmm. Let's move on to Gino Jasmine. Okay, another relatively brief segment with them this time, which is always welcome because we don't want to go into the screaming, crying stuff. Mm-hmm. They go dancing, salsa dancing, which is such a nice idea. I love that for them. And she and looks so genuinely happy. She is. They're having so much fun. Like they mm-hmm. actually look like a good couple, as awkward and geeky as. Gino is my husband happened to walk in at this point during the show. And he just started laughing as soon as he saw Gino on the screen. I was like, shush, shush, I'm trying to listen. (laughs) (laughs) But he couldn't take it that the like the grinning that Gino was doing, and the faces he was making when he was dancing, because he was so proud of himself. And uh, Jasmine was complimenting him on his efforts. It was cute. Their big moment on their segment was talking about kids the next day. This one was actually quite um, quite emotional. I didn't expect to to have this kind of response. And I also wasn't quite sure what she was going to say. I thought it was going to be more of a selfish thing for her. Uh, my, my brain immediately went to, oh, the, the issue with you having more kids is you've spent so much money on this new body that if you get pregnant, that's going to negate everything. Honestly, I thought that's what it was going to be. I had no idea that it was going to get this involved. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. I know, like, the argument that she gives for not wanting to have more kids is just heart wrenching. And I don't understand it because I've never been in that situation. And I'm sure it's extremely painful and difficult. But I think that she also is extremely conscious of her brand new body and she doesn't want to do anything to disturb it. In other discussions that they've had about kids in in this season, uh, definitely in past seasons, she's never mentioned that before. It could be that she just wasn't ready to talk about it, but she's always had a resistance towards having children with Gino. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's all got to do with where she is in her life right now. Like she's got two kids that are above the age of 10, right? Because one is 12 and one is 10, I think. I thought one was eight, but maybe that could could have also been a couple seasons ago. So she's at that stage where she feels like she may be done. But also, and more importantly, I think, is because we know she is very vain and she has done all this work on her body through surgeries and through hard work at the gym. God knows she's constantly working out. Mm -hmm. Why would she give that up for another baby that she doesn't really want? And I think that would just exacerbate her body dysmorphia. mm -hmm. Yeah. So I sympathize with her and the moment was difficult to watch because it was quite emotional. But for me, it didn't ring entirely true. I feel like we were missing out on the other information, which is actually I'm at a point right now where I don't want to do that. And she just spent $10,000 on her butt. Her butt alone. 
her butt alone. I mean, how much money has she spent on all of these surgeries that she's been doing for the last two, three years? It's like I showed you that. I showed you that post where I was scrolling through Instagram and there was a picture of a woman and I just went past it. But then I noticed, oh, Gino Palazzo liked this. And I was like, what? So I went back and it was Jasmine from three years ago. And I did not recognize her at all. I, I, I didn't have no clue who it was. She's changed so much. Oh, something I wanted to add, though, is <laughs> I felt like her concerns were completely valid, whether or not they were her main concerns about having more kids or not. But it also made my brain kind of spiral because if her child is is nonverbal and needs so much support, how are they going to afford that? Who's going to who's going to watch the kids? What kind of programs is she going to be able to to get into? How are they going to be able to afford any kind of the medical expenses when Gino's not working? What does that look like from an insurance perspective? Because mm-hmm. obviously you're coming in with a child who already has pre-existing conditions, so your rates are going to skyrocket. I think my concern was more about the support for her and for her kids when when they come over. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons why Gino's been or he hasn't put in so much effort to bring them over because he has the same concerns and or he's trying to figure out where this money's coming from. That was just something that I I, I don't know if she ever spoke about her child being special needs before, but that's I think that's why my brain kind of picked it up and ran with it. So yeah. Um, those- those are really good points. And I was also thinking, well, what about the dad? She said, I share custody of my kids with their dad. But how and why is the dad so willing, presumably, to let these two boys move to the United States where he's never going to see them? Well, she made the comment before where she's, I believe she said that she talked to him and he said it was okay, which is kind of what propelled her to go anyway. But mm-hmm. again, same question. All right. Are we ready for Sam and Citra? Sure. So we start off with Citra expressing that she's really worried about Sam going to jail because he mentioned in the last episode that he didn't think he was going to get diversion, which obviously is a very frightening prospect for her. You know, imagine getting married to this person that you've moved countries for and they immediately go off to jail. You don't have a job. You don't have any family nearby. You don't have any friends. And yet... Despite this, she says that she's determined to stick by Sam's side and knowing that he could be imprisoned doesn't deter her. She's going to stick with him. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Good. Great. Just throwing my hands up. Okay. So she's making spicy food, which Sam says is her special way of punishing him. (laughs) It made me laugh. His his description, just throughout that entire scene, I thought was so amusing and I, I don't know if you caught this, but when, when the camera caught him from the side, mm-hmm. it was so much more obvious how much space he doesn't have between his lower lip yeah. and his neck. Also, <laughs> yes. Also, he's missing teeth on the side when they filmed them from the too. side. I was like, oh, there's a few gaps there on the upper jaw because we never get to see his lower teeth. I, I was I was actually watching quite intently to see if we could see any kind of glimpse of any kind of whiteness in the bottom mm-hmm. of his mouth. And mm-hmm. I, hmm. but anyway, back to the spicy food. Yeah. So the spicy food. Was there anything else you wanted to say about that? I just, just thought it was funny that both of them were coughing up a storm, and they yeah. didn't even bother to put on like the overhead vent thing. I'm I'm assuming that was because of the filming. It'd be difficult to hear their conversations. Yeah. <laughs> if it's, it's that spicy <laughs> that you guys are coughing like that 
Oh, Sam, you're in for a real treat with that one. Next, they go to Sam's mom's house, and he warns Citra that she's crazy. Not Citra. His mom is crazy. Mm -hmm. And that she came from a very religious background. So it sounds like there's some inherent racism in her lifestyle from what Sam describes. We find out when they're there that Sam still hasn't converted, even though he only has a couple of days before the wedding. And they haven't even found a mosque yet. Didn't they say that they were waiting for his conversion because her dad has to be there for it? Possibly. But the fact that they haven't even sourced a mosque and found someone who is willing to do the conversion speaks speaks volumes, I think. I think it screams. (laughs) (laughs) So Sam's mom doesn't really like the idea of him converting, and that's putting it mildly. She has a very real problem with people who are not Christian. And she even says she doesn't approve of the Muslim way. What's the Muslim way? I'm assuming it just means beliefs that are different than her own because she also brought up witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah, that was very classy. (laughs) Liked that. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like a good old fashioned bit of racism. Talk about extremisms there. Oh, yeah. I was very unnerved by the final final comments that Sam's mom had with the camera crew about praying for him not to convert and stuff. Ugh. And my my favorite thing or my favorite quote from from the scene with his mom was that she wants everyone to serve the same God. So uh, that- it wasn't serve the same God. It was serve my God. My oh, that- God. Oh, yeah. I missed that part. Yeah. I just thought it was so gross that. Or I thought it was interesting that that comment directly reflected what Sam had said in the car saying that, you know, they're very religious people, but they don't practice what they preach with regards to acceptance. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very reflective and quite insightful. It's on the nose. It's totally on the nose. So, so relevant for today's world. Yeah. Okay. If that's all for them, let's go to Ashley Emmanuel. Oh, I have one word for that whole situation. Yes. Intolerance. Definitely. Moving on. Ashley Manuel. Manuel has a surprise from Ashley, which is that she has arranged for his friend Jonathan to come and visit them. So that seems very nice. Manuel says that he likes fighting. Did you catch that? He likes fighting. He likes fighting now. Yeah, but somehow they're not going to fight after they get married. I was really intrigued about that remark. And I was like, how exactly does that work, Manuel? You are deliberately fighting now and you're enjoying it. But when you get married, then you will be nice and you will enjoy it. How, what? I, hmm. I have no, no idea, but I, I caught that. That as well. Yeah. I thought that was. <laughs> so he com- it's totally ridiculous. He complains <laughs> to his friend, Jonathan, that Ashley spends too much money on unnecessary things that she's never suffered, that she's never gone through hell like he has being an Ecuadorian, I guess. But meanwhile, he says, I'm facing the bullets with my chest. What? What bullets? This isn't Rob's backyard. This is <laughs> Rochester. There are no bullets. And uh, to imply that Ashley is firing bullets at your chest? Why haven't you left the relationship then? If it's so unfair, it's so painful. But also, does he have a bulletproof vest because he's still alive? And what is he not returning fire? Uh, excuse me. Yes, we have another victim 
another grand victim in Manuel who was constantly persecuted by Ashley and Mm -hmm. poor him. Then he decides to talk about money. He wants Ashley to send all of her money to his family. So this is when Ashley comes and joins them. They all go out for coffee the next day. And like this whole dynamic was so odd with her speaking English to Jonathan across the table while Benuel's sitting next to her. And he, you know, she was speaking English. Jonathan was translating. Ashley was translating. It's like, why don't you guys all just speak Spanish so that you don't have to do this stupid translation? And why don't you, Ashley, speak directly to Manuel about how you feel? Why are you telling Jonathan? And then Jonathan's having to explain it to Manuel. It was very weird. The the dynamic was just so convoluted and didn't need to be that way. There was a lot more of an effective and efficient way of having this conversation. And it wasn't what they were doing. Of course not. He says that in his defense for why he thinks Ashley should spend all of her money on his family, that she knew that he came with baggage, meaning his two kids and his family. And so she needs to cough up because she knew. Does that make sense to you? I'm assuming it's because she, whatever she does for, for her religion, what is it, paganism, She's wicked, a- which uh, she, because she, that means she's also psychic as well. So instead of him actually telling her exactly what, what she's looking into by bringing him over, mm-hmm. then she should have just known that she was going to have to send money to his family because, you know, she was just supposed to know this. Of course. Psychic. Yeah. Can't and- actually communicate it. No. Why would you bother? It's too much work. She already knows. <laughs> she says, or was I dreaming this, that she's, she, does, she resents the idea that she has to send money to Ecuador when she's not even allowed to be part of that family, which I thought was a valid point if she mm-hmm. made it. But I was like, did I hear that? And then I was too busy writing notes, so I couldn't. She didn't say that? I was writing at the same time, and I did catch that because one of my notes was, you want her to pay for all these things. And yet, or, so she's focusing on the money part, but not the secrecy, the fighting, and him refusing to, you know, actually try with her friends. But when I got to the fighting and the secrecy, that's when she said about her not, her just not being involved with his family or whatever she had said about it. So she did say it. Okay. So Ashley is fighting to have Manuel understand that she has a right to spend her money in a way that she wishes to. And he's not taking it. He's not having anything to do with that. So she takes a page from his book and she walks away from the table. And Manuel responds to Jonathan by saying he has to deal with that, meaning her walking away every day. I'm like, excuse me. No, you do this to her every day. And she tells you to stay and be a grown up and have the conversation, but you don't. And now she's acting that way. And you're completely turning the tables on her. Not fair. But still, it's not good of her to walk away from that. She's giving so much of herself, of her income, her house, her food, everything, her love, her affection. She's giving so much to him and he does not appreciate any of it. And moreover, he's acting as if what she's giving him is nothing and she could be doing so much more, which is just so incredibly aggravating and infuriating. Ashley seems completely exhausted, drained, and I am just at the point where I can't take it anymore. I can't stand his face. I can't stand Mm -hmm. his smugness, his petulance, his entitlement to everything. The fact that he thinks that he's always right, even though I'm, 
I, I get the feeling that he's a lot smarter than he lets on and he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. And I think his friend knows that too. Because yeah. even when they were talking, when Ashley wasn't there, his friend was trying to explain to him the difference between $200 in Ecuador versus $200 here. And you could tell that his friend was trying to get him to understand. And even when Ashley came into the picture, the friend just wasn't getting involved because a smart don't get involved in the argument. But I, I'm pretty sure he was kind of just done with it himself because he, he tried to get Manuel to understand the difference and he didn't. So I think even his friend was done with that. Yeah. Manuel found- is one of the most stubborn people I've ever seen on TV. And, and you know, Ashley's such an incredibly horrible human being, but yet she somehow organized his best friend to come for a surprise visit, which also created more questions because didn't she say he just came in from New York? They're so close. Mm-hmm. So why hasn't Manuel made an effort to have his friend come visit or for him to come see his friend? And has he not said, and Ashley said as well, that he has no one here and yet his friend is close enough for him to just, you know, pop in? What? I know there's so much weird stuff going on, not being explained correctly with enough detail. I feel like we're being played. I think that would be, that would be fair. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're going to get any of the answers to any of these questions. Ashley knows that Manuel is greedy. She knows he's disrespectful. She knows he's taking advantage of her, but she keeps expecting a different set of behaviors or reactions from him. And I was wondering, is that because when they were in Ecuador together, he acted completely differently towards her, was affectionate and kind and considerate, perhaps, in order to lure her in? And she's still living with that hope, trying to keep it alive, despite the fact that he's acting the way he is, he's treating her like trash. This is the reality. This is what she can expect her future experience, her future marriage with Manuel to be like. He's not going to stop fighting. He's going to oh, continue. 100%. He's not going to. But I, yeah. yeah, I also wonder what he was like when, when they were visiting previously. Obviously, he had to have some, some decent characteristics for her to put in this much effort. But I wonder if he was just a little more subtle about it, a little more quietly manipulative about it. And now he's kind of let it go. And now everything is just coming at her full force. I don't think that... I think that she was digmatized from from early on, but I I think that he gave her little tidbits of who he was, but she just didn't acknowledge it. And now, yeah, yeah, the rose-colored glasses, and now they've come off. And now I think she's just so intent on getting this marriage under her belt that, sure, she's frustrated, she's going to vent about it, but she's still going to go through with it. Mm -hmm. The end goal is just for her to get married. Yeah, this couple is so frustrating to watch now. Because I think they've both lost the plot. I mean, he is a despicable human being. And she is, like you said, just barreling towards an end goal without any kind of consideration anymore. Because whatever, the sex is great. I thought it was interesting that when they first sat down, Manuel and his friend, the first question he asks him is, is it true that you're getting married? Mm-hmm. So have you not talked to your friend about this? Has he like, possibly, you know, a production stunt as well? But for your friend to come out and ask you that, and you're like, well, I didn't come out here to sightsee, obviously, because you never leave the house. But where's the communication there? And did you actually have the intent to tell anyone else? Is is the whole reason why you haven't told your family about you being engaged? Because you're embarrassed about your actions and you just want them to see the money and not the reason why you're there? 
I thought his friend actually seemed like a, a fairly decent human being. And I wonder how it's possible that he could still be friends with Benwell. But I wonder if even the friend hasn't made an effort to come visit him because he knows the kind of guy that Manuel is. Well, I thought that perhaps Manuel really is different in the United States versus in Ecuador. And maybe this friend who obviously visited him in Ecuador before is friends with him because of the person Manuel is when he doesn't have somebody else paying the bills and somebody to take advantage of the way he has with Ashley. I just feel like, how could you be friends with somebody like that? And how could Jonathan be a reasonable human being? How could he be somebody who can realize and accept the fact that money is handled differently in the United States and that Ashley has a right to have a say in how she spends her money? How can you be a reasonable person like that and yet be friends with Manuel, who is completely irrational and unwilling to understand what life is like in the United States? It could also just be that whole longevity thing. Like, I guess I have to be friends with this guy because we've been friends for so mm -hmm. long. He doesn't actually like him. They're only friends because they go back so far. Then why would why would he bother coming to Rochester? Loyalty of some sort. Be on TV. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that's all we need to say about them, let's go to Annalie and Clayton. Another sad, sad couple. Did you see this? This was classic. And I wanted to take a picture, but of course, there was no way that I could. The moment that they came on the screen, it said 59 days without sex. 31 days to wed, 59 days without sex. I saw someone post that on Reddit last night. Yeah. And I thought someone photoshopped it. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> so when it actually popped up on the screen, I had to go back to make sure that it actually came up and it wasn't just my brain putting that in there. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, that yeah. editing was wonderful. Oh, it was good. It was too much. <laughs> on that exact note. So she's been here for 59 days, but how, when was the last time that they saw each other? So it's been a lot longer than, mm -hmm. than that without sex. So it's just been the entire time he hasn't had sex, but mm -hmm. add on the however many months or whatever before that. And oh, just, it made me giggle. Mm -hmm. My question at the beginning of this segment is, will Clayton apologize? Because this is of course, after the dinner when they went home. And he does finally apologize, but with a lot of caveats, with a lot of conditions. Mm -hmm. The one thing that he really couldn't excuse for himself was, to Annalise's point, he did this in front of her and to his friends, which is just horrible behavior. Well, he also claims that he brought it up because he wanted to get advice, but... Mm -hmm. He obviously wasn't asking for advice at the time, and he wasn't trying to solicit advice from the waitress when he was ordering. Exactly. So his point just doesn't make any sense. No, his apology was full of but, 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 but. So. And not an actual apology. No, not an actual apology. Good for Annalie for moving past it with him, because I thought that was very generous of her. Mm -hmm, I thought so, too. So he's going out with Cameron to put together a surprise, which is for their wedding. And that turns out to be learning how to do a traditional Peruvian dance. It wasn't clear to me, is he going to perform this at their wedding for her, but on his own or with Cameron? Because it seemed to be a dance that you needed two people for. And I was like, well, okay, so he's going to do this with Cameron and Cameron's going to be like the girl and he's going to be the guy. I really couldn't understand what was happening. Part of me, so I'm trying to work this out. What was I actually thinking when I saw that? I think that my thought process was, 
this was an introduction to the kind of dance he would be doing. So they're just kind of walking him through the first part of it just to get him into like the movements. And then they'll start with, with an actual dance routine. But now that I think about it, I really have no idea what the whole intent of that process was. It, it, it was hard to follow just because he's so awkward and mm-hmm. strange. I, and... I feel like he was doing it with Cameron. Cameron was learning the dance steps too, because they're going to do it at the wedding together for Annalie, which would be just hilarious. And they only have one lesson and then they walk away. And I was like, wow, they can remember choreography just like, you know, that. That's pretty impressive. Good for them. I don't know. It was just just so strange. But before this, did you know, did you pick up when he was telling Annalie that he was going to meet up with his friend? And then he said something about sister wives. Yes, I know there was a sister wife comment, but I can't remember what it was. Was it? Oh, that Cameron is like his her sister wife because Annalie was making cracks about how Cameron is Clayton's girlfriend. So oh, they're okay. going to get married or and then he'll be she'll be a sister wife or he'll be a sister wife. OK, so when he's on his date with Cameron, they talk about the fact that Clayton is still a secret from Annalie's dad, which we've known from the start. And he's asking, maybe you should find out why that is, what what is going on there, what it means, because this is something you really should resolve before you get married. Good advice. And so Clayton decides to do that. When he gets back, he makes dinner for Annalie. Which is steak and potatoes, no vegetables. No vegetables, but the potatoes were store-bought. So he grilled, he put some steak on the grill and cooked it. And this was him making dinner. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. They decide to talk about the dad issues. And as soon as he starts talking about her dad, Annalie looks at him with a death stare. That, that look was yeah. palpable. I could feel that yeah. from the screen. I kind of snapped to attention. I was like, oh, I better not move. Yeah. She's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. She says, they've already discussed it. He already knows why. And she doesn't want to repeat herself and go through with it, talk about it anymore. Just I feel like they surprising. did talk about it. They were sitting on a on a bench or yeah. a swing, and it was just after she got there. Mm-hmm. She explained a bit, but she was also she more brushed it off than anything. I believe she did say she was going to tell him. I, I forget That's what the right. scene was, but I feel like, yeah, they did yeah. talk about it before. So I can understand why she would say that, but there was real no, no real resolution during that conversation. Right. We know that he she is keeping Clayton a secret from her dad. We don't know why, but they have discussed it before. And surely this is something which you should talk about, like Cameron said, before you get married, figure mm-hmm. it out. He's already tried once, so this is his second attempt. But she is really mad. She has quite an an adverse reaction to his questioning. And it ends with her getting up from the table. She's very emotional. She goes and locks herself in the bathroom and he follows her, but she won't let him in. So I don't know what's going on. Do you have a clue? No, I don't. I thought it was, I think it was very telling the second that he said, your dad, her face just immediately went there it wasn't what are you gonna say she just immediately shut down 
immediately started, I believe she started deflecting. I can't remember what she was actually saying. Oh, something. You're going to ruin my dinner. Yeah. Not actually talking about what he was saying, just nitpicking about things. And she accused him of saying something. And he's like, that's not what I was saying at all. So I thought he handled that. Okay. But I, I do think that there's something way, way beyond this, like beyond her father being overprotective and her being worried about his reaction. Is she worried that he's going to fly out and pick her up and force her to get back on a plane to go home? Is is her father actually like crazy abusive and she's trying to get away from him, but is trying to protect his name? I, I, I really don't don't know but the adverse reaction that she has every time clayton brings him up is is really concerning because she goes from like fiery hot daggers just shooting out of her eyes to bawling in the bathroom so that's two completely different reactions Mm -hmm. why is she so upset that she's crying is it because she's so mad that that's the way that she's releasing that emotion or is she afraid of something because yeah. I don't I don't think she's sad. I think she's afraid. And maybe the whole not telling him is just that way of avoiding having to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that kind of feeds into the whole overprotective thing with her dad being so overprotective. Maybe she just doesn't want to deal with how her dad's going to react to the whole thing. And I think it's maybe the way that she reacted with the anger is the way that her dad is going to react. And she knows that's what's going to happen. Yeah, maybe. Would it bother you if you were fiancéd, a fiancéd, to someone and they were hiding you from one of their parents? Unfianced? Yes. And 100%. Yeah. I I think it's a little different because they're obviously not in the same country. But the whole thing with Manuel, too, and him not sharing his family, I would feel very isolated from that. And why am I going to be in a relationship with you when you get to know everything about me and everyone who mm-hmm. is involved in my life? And yet I don't get to know people who are involved with your existence. Yeah, there's that element of the inequality of sharing your life with your partner. And the but secrecy. Secrecy, yes. For me, my mind immediately goes to, well, what is the reason why you wouldn't share with your parents or parent? who this person is to you. And my thought is shame. The reason why you hide stuff from your parents is because you're ashamed. Shame? Fear? Well, yes, fear is a part of shame because you're afraid that they're going to disapprove of your choice. And then the consequences you'll have to deal with are whatever they are. But for me, it's always the only reason why you keep something secret is because you don't want somebody to find out because you're afraid of they're, they're going to disapprove of what you're doing in secret. I, I think it's the onion layer thing because yeah. for, for me, the, the secrecy sticks out. Like if, mm-hmm. if you're keeping me, your fiance, a secret from this person who theoretically has a huge part in your life, what else are you keeping? What are you keeping from me? Because that's huge. Yeah. If you can um, lie by omission and presumably also boldface lie, because, uh, you know, Annalie went to the States on a work thing. Mm-hmm. she's not there so that's a bold face lie and then yep. lying by omission everything else you know how are things going what are you doing like presumably those are the omissions how can you do that to that person and not be doing it to me yeah excellent question like it's it's it says a lot about her character but i think we also need to know why mm-hmm. 
I hope we find out next week what exactly the reason is. I hope so too, because I think you and I liked her from the beginning and Mm -hmm. just the way that this relationship has been progressing is, is intriguing, but also concerning. Yes. So I wonder what she's going to come out with next time, but I hope we actually do get to get a look in, in look inside as to why she's reacting the way that she does. Mm -hmm. So either we're going to find out during the season or we're going to find out at the tell all. Well, next week we had a preview and we see that Jasmine's getting her third or fourth or 15th proposal. Yay. And we also see that she's probably going to tell her secret to Gino that we all know about the where some of the money came from her butt implant. Mm -hmm. Sam and Citra will see them going out to have fun before he converts to Islam and Citra's dad is going to arrive. And then... Yes, Emily and Clayton are going to be arguing about her dad. Manuel and Ashley are going to, oh my gosh, did you see this? They're fighting on the street in public, loudly. And he grabs her and takes her to the nearest public washroom to have sex. I did not see that. At which point I just went, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached an all new low. I don't know about you, but I had imagine in my mind that their pattern, this toxic pattern that they have of fighting and then having sex was more like they have an argument. They might sort of spend some time alone for a little bit and then tentatively talk and come back together and then move towards having makeup sex. Does that not seem sort of reasonable-ish? That's, that was my thought process. But they're going straight from screaming at each other to banging in a bathroom. Maybe it's a kink. What do you mean? Like he fetish fights? Yeah, because he likes the aggression. And then they use that aggression to fuel their hookups. It's not a hookup because they're together, but. Uh, Yeah. Well, then why would he say that he likes fighting, but he's not going to fight after they get married? Because then that would mean there would be no sex after they get married. Or she has to put out because she's his wife. Maybe this is the way that he gets it. So it could just be a complete abuse thing. I, I don't know. I, I think uh, I, I must have fast forward, fast forwarded through that because of the whole people we don't talk about. I'm yeah. not sure. It's just so much worse than I'd ever imagined the situation to be. Like, I did not think it was so argument, sex, nothing in between, no buffer, no time for contemplation, no time for reparation just we're angry now we're having sex how is that healthy well it's it's not it's concerning on so many different levels but i'm kind of glad that i didn't see that because i feel like it would have changed my my outlook for for this recording so it didn't it didn't impact and guess what jonathan (laughs) was with them and he's sitting on the curb outside waiting for them to finish up in the bathroom oh (laughs) even worse yeah oh God. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I did catch him sitting on the on the curb. But yeah, I'm confident of it. Where's my memory today? I don't know. But that mm, something to look forward to. And I really hate the fact that we have to wait another week to see it. I know. I know. And we'll also see Rob's temper tantrum continue from this episode. Oh, the, the, the victim. Yeah, oh, yes. Poor, poor, sad Rob. Before we go, if you're enjoying the 90 Day Fiancé Honestly podcast and you haven't already subscribed to or followed our show, please do so. Thank you. We'll see you next week. See you all then, everyone. 